welcome everybody to another episode of Everything 3P. And I have with me Rick. And Rick is uh, a fantastic gentleman that has a great uh, third party website, which will go unnamed. Uh, but what we wanted to do is to talk with Rick on some of the experiences that he has had in, in third party selling but especially when communication isn't clear, a lot of mixed messages. Wouldn't you say, Rick? Absolutely. <laughs> and Rick, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, like you let in, I'm a third-party seller, uh, pretty much participating in that business since uh, 2004. Right. So, you know, relatively speaking, a, a veteran of the business. Yes, uh, and, it's been an interesting ride watching it evolve as the internet evolved. Uh, and then more specifically now, of course, with COVID, uh, some of the, the businesses tightened up and people are taking a, a, a more intense look at uh, how they participate in e-commerce. Uh, so it's been, you know, a, a long journey from the early days where everybody kind of wild west uh, did what they could to acquire product. Uh, to nowadays where, of course, with Shopify and Amazon and all these big players, uh, we've seen a, a huge increase in interest from the manufacturer to get involved. Yes. And uh, I think, you know, there's always going to be a role for people like me because uh, it's a little bit intimidating for some of the corporate side to, you know, plunge into Amazon and some of these other platforms yep. uh, with very, very little experience. Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's uh the business i've been in and um you know my pursuit since covid especially has been to try to uh form a an official partnership in some ways with manufacturers versus um being opportunistic on product yes so um we've gotten a little bit of a peek behind the curtain yeah. at the corporate level and <laughs> yes, as you have. To, yeah i mean this is where you start to understand that uh these things aren't always well-oiled machines. So uh, oh. definitely got plenty of perspective on, on some of these topics. There is no doubt about that. A matter of fact, uh, is it all right if I tell a little bit of how we were introduced? Sure. Sure. <laughs> so I was actually uh, pegged to, to uh, investigate different so-called unauthorized third-party selling. And so our firm, of course, they, we... We work with big brands to identify unauthorized sellers on the e-commerce platforms. And unfortunately or fortunately, I had the opportunity to meet Rick through one of these communications. It was a cease and desist letter. Now, quite frankly, cease and desist letters suck. <laughs> I'm going to lie. And quite frankly, I don't like sending them because I know that it's going to impact somebody in, in one form or another. And what I like to do is I like to call uh, these the third party sellers whenever I have a phone number or when when they give me one when they're irate and it's understandable and in this case Rick was saying wait a second here man <laughs> I'm authorized to sell this product and which product will go unnamed but uh, it was interesting because as this began uh, there's a process of, of sending cease and desist letters, which uh, goes a primary one, the secondary, and then other actions after that. And so Rick uh, and I discussed a lot of the things that were happening in, in the communications. Matter of fact, can you 
why don't you tell them it, it, it's a lot better when it's coming from you than me? <laughs> sure. Uh, so th this particular brand I had sold uh, going back probably five to 10 years, actually. Right. Uh, but as I, as I alluded to in the preview here, uh, the relationship had kind of evolved over time. Uh, so in the, in the early days of the relationship, I was kind of a, a what the industry would call a jobber. Uh, it basically means, um, you know, I help facilitate the liquidation of some product, but right. it's not necessarily through any kind of contractual relationship or anything like that. It's more of a, hey, we have a problem with too much of a skew and we know you, uh, you know, have access to these third party platforms. So can you assist us? Um, about two years ago, uh, as we were watching this change out in the marketplace, we realized we should probably get out ahead of these things, contact the manufacturer directly and try to uh, forge a more concrete relationship. Um, so two years ago, we set out on a pursuit to, uh, you know, get, get that kind of dialed in. Um, and unfortunately, in hindsight, a lot of it was verbal and a lot of it was a little bit sloppy, uh, you know, for lack of a better word. Right. Uh, but, you know, being that I'd been in the business a long time, it wasn't that uncommon to kind of have a, a, you know, backdoor deal with some of these places. So, right. um, you know, no one gave us any warning flags or any scenario like that. And yeah. we set out on this path to start acquiring, you know, large volume of inventory. Yeah. Um, so, we took it to the third party platform. And again, as this, the goal of this particular relationship was to, you know, hopefully grow it, you know, we, we upfront always followed their, you know, dealer agreements, their pricing policies, their, you know, use of IP, uh, intellectual property and all those things. Um, so we followed that path and had a, growing booming business uh and then i think maybe sometime in the early spring actually pre-covid yeah. i got my first letter from maurice yeah. Um, yeah. so thankfully you know because a lot of these times a lot of times these uh letters come with right. lack of communication really just a, a, a form letter let's say so in this case thank you maurice reached out to me a little more personally and uh, we, we cleared that first hurdle, right. got back to business, buying and selling more product. Um, and it seemed like essentially every time the, the higher powers wanted to shake the tree, I got the next letter from you. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a scary thing. Although we've had cease and desist letters and, you know, they're not necessarily a big legal, uh, you know, dilemma. The, right. the writing starts to get on the wall that maybe this could snowball into something bigger. So sure. um, yeah. we definitely began the process of reaching out to management or someone higher up the food chain. And unfortunately, this is where you start to see the cracks in the communication. Right. Um, the sales rep would say, no, you're good. The sales manager would say, yeah, you're good. Um, but then as you got further up the chain, um, you'd start to run into some friction. So, uh, you know, that's kind of how yeah. this developed. And, you know, I want people to understand that with Amazon, which was the specific case in this example, um, these things are damaging to your, uh, your global account. 
right. um, not necessarily the brand in question. So the brand may think, oh, this is a fairly harmless warning shot. Uh, yep. The reality yep. is somewhere it's going on a file on Amazon that you've had issues. Whether they're true or not matters little to Amazon. Amazon, uh, they don't necessarily care about your size and your scope and your history. If, if something changes, they will end you fairly quickly. So um, maybe reading to that this relationship was starting to break down, what became more essential to us was protecting the, you know, the bigger picture, right. um, not having a, a miscommunication end up in a suspension from Amazon, which obviously would be a, a critical step. So um, yes. that's when it became a little more scary. Uh, the other thing was in this case, I had, you know, a building full of product, um, substantial sums of money. I had uh, other stakeholders as far as employees and helpers involved. And we're all, you know, left up to this. Well, who, who's going to give us the clear communication? So right, um, right. that was, that was definitely where it got a little uh, nerve wracking. Well, um, the other thing though, that was so confusing, and this was confusing to me when we were talking about this too, is sure. I would be sending you either a cease and desist, or we'd be having a communication. I go, okay, man, there's clearly a, a breakdown of communication because it went up to the upper echelons <laughs> in this company. Yeah. And, yes. and there was complete, there, it wasn't complete denial. He goes, they're not authorized. I go, well, wait a sec. It, the, the ironic thing is, up to there was one day that we spoke, and the very next day, weren't you contacted by a salesman or something sure. like that? Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of the the big picture here is that management maybe somewhere in uh, the process had had said okay, and maybe in their mind it was on a, a specific set of circumstances or a specific product, and they moved on with their day. And that communication, you know, rolled downhill to the sales rep who, of course, has a, a financial motivation to sell product. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you always have to be aware that the salespeople are salespeople. So um, right. until they're maybe specifically told stop, right. they're, they're looking to, you know, pursue sales. So, yeah, um, yeah so the salesperson who was maybe unaware that we had started to pry into the, the, the management side, he was confused as me. And so, you know, pretty much every morning uh, while this was going on, yeah. he was presenting me with new opportunities to buy more product, um, but unbeknownst to him and, and unclear to us, yeah. uh, management was not necessarily in on board with that plan. Yes. Uh, so yes. that was the early stages of communication. Um, it, wa it wasn't. It got, it got so much more confusing because they, they were begging Rick for sales multiple times during the course of our communication. Sure. It, 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 Rick, it's funny because one of our first podcasts for this particular Everything 3P was about the corporate breakdown communication. My background was organizational development and where, where those breakdown of communication can impact the internal as well as the external uh, uh, impacts of the company. And sure. this was one of them. This is definitely a, a prime example of that. Just sure. And again, um, you know, again, the tough part is separating sales from management. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, rewind 10 years ago where I said things were a lot less uh, formal 
the salesperson was making sales. He would deal with management and, you know, there wasn't, management wasn't even valuing um, the real estate, quote unquote, on Amazon. They, they thought of Amazon as a, a, a step up from eBay, but at the same time, it didn't have legitimacy to, to warrant uh, even protecting it. Yep. Um, so yep. as that evolved, that's where I think the communication really started to fray was, yeah. um, you know, management probably from higher up the chain started to realize this is an important outlet for product. Um, this, the volume on Amazon can be astronomical. Exactly. And, you know, as they started to covet that position, that is probably where they should have started to um, educate the salespeople on, on how to deal with this. But I think, you know, this, this evolved quickly, exponentially fast. And I think uh, in their defense, uh, you know, it got, it snuck through the cracks and um, sales pursued sales. So yeah. that's, that's kind of where we were, um, you know, and ultimately the salesperson has no authority. So, yeah. um, you know, that's where it gets tricky because you want to trust the salesperson's the guy that you're communicating with daily that you're, you know, getting all this information from. So you want to think that they're dialed in, but like we've seen the re- the reality is, uh, there's a lot of miscommunication. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and for me, I did, I do well with the product. I wanted to continue to sell the product. So you're in this internal tug of war, which is, you know, what's good for me may not be good for me. Um, But, you know, you want to, you want to keep the momentum going. So every morning I would get a sales pitch and I was definitely uh, enticed to, to buy more. But in the back of my mind, when is this going to, you know, kind of blow up? So, um, you know, thankfully we had a little bit of, intermediary uh communication <laughs> there and to bridge the gap but you know at the end of the day your life as a 3p seller is very fragile yeah. um amazon like i said is they're not interested in the the excuses they just they look at the facts yep. and um they could really end you and you know i've seen in some business relationships i was in prior um, where I had big accounts, $8 million, $10 million a year. Uh, it sounds like a big number, but to Amazon, it, if, it, if it risks their reputation or some other part of what they've built, they will cut you off without even a moment's notice. So yeah. you know, don't, don't get comfortable that your size is going to somehow insulate you from these problems. Um, yeah. Amazon, Amazon knows what they got and, and they'll do anything to protect it. So um, you know, I guess the ultimate warnings are, you know, don't let the size think that you're invincible. And also, um, you know, just be conscious of the fact that sales and management are just very different animals. Right. And um, just because you're getting sales uh, pitches doesn't mean that behind the scenes, someone's not upset about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> those, are the, those are the big warnings. Um, right. Otherwise... Uh, I don't know if you want to dictate how the, the questions go, um, but as far as, you know, 3P in general, I think we're going to see this landscape changing more so now. And I think, uh, I think a lot of companies are starting to get the confidence to maybe try these things on their own. And oh, yeah. uh, truth yeah. be told, it, it may be bad for me. I'm going to have to adapt and adjust, but... If, if you really, from the manufacturer's side, if you want to do it right, 
right. should either do it yourself or yeah. you should choose, you know, one or, you know, a very small number of authorized parties to, yep. to do it for you. Um, right. The thought that you can spread this across 15 different sellers with all these different avenues, it, it'll get so complicated. And as we see, if we're, if we're losing communication on a, on a one-to-one relationship, you know, expand on that and have 15 people doing 15 different things, uh, it's just going to get worse. So, you know, again, I I hope I can adapt, but the reality is the manufacturer, the management, they have to really dial into the big picture goal here. And, uh, you know, sales are enticing, but at the end of the day, just like anything else, if you want to build a, a, a good structure here, you have to start with the foundation. Um, so I think it's, it's paramount that, that, uh, they, they view this thing five years into the future and make decisions that, you know, sacrifice the short-term sales, you know, to, to make sure that this thing is a well-oiled machine. Yes. So it won't come and bite them. It won't come and bite them in in the rear. Matter of fact, you do bring up an important point because one time they, unbeknownst to them, I was with a brand one time and this was, uh, this was at a trade show. And they didn't know that I was hired by them. <laughs> and I was talking to the to one of the to the sales team, and uh, they were they were pretty pumped because they were selling. Uh, they were getting all kinds of sales with all kinds of uh, third parties. And I looked at and I go, "Are they authorized?" <laughs> and then they quickly realized that I was probably not the guy they wanted. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this you is the thing. That stuff too, right? <laughs> yeah, again, because ten years ago, no one asked the questions. You yes. know, you were lucky to be involved with the the early stages of e-commerce. Yeah. Sales were good. Uh, you know, threats were minimal, yep. and so yep. a lot of us have this old old school, you know, relatively speaking, philosophy that it it'll work out. Yeah, um, but like I said, the, these these platforms have just become very valuable to the to the you know the outgoing business for the manufacturer um it's amazing i i don't even think they realize uh the potential volume um you know i can tell you some of this product you know i'll get in 10 pallets of product which in 10 years ago sound like a month two months three months of inventory right the way amazon now uh it's amazing you could sell through that in 48 hours i mean it's really that quick so um you know and and it's interesting uh, one thing i got to look into a little bit further with this particular situation was um their their uh proportion of brick and mortar versus e-commerce was still very small uh, as far as e-commerce goes so i'm thinking man, how could they be, you know, 15 years, 20 years into Amazon and still not appreciate how these things work or understand how important it is to dial these things in. And then you realize that, you know, in the big picture, this is still 10% of their revenue. So they they really have not yet grasped that, you know, this is going to grow from here. But for now, they're, they're still in some ways old school. They're, they're still yep. catering to the brick and mortar customer, which is fine. I mean, that, that customer is obviously a critical component here, but um, they, you know, it's just very important that uh, you get ahead of this. Very important because when yeah. you take a look at what happened to COVID, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you know, back in March, rewind for me, 
I wasn't sure what e-commerce, I didn't know, like anybody, we didn't know what was going to happen next. Yes. Um, I think we knew brick and mortar was going to be, you know, struggling, but I don't think we realized that uh, e-commerce would just swell. Yeah. Um, Our concern was that people were laid off, people were stuck in their houses. And as much as that that led to e-commerce, maybe the finances weren't there. Maybe the, you know, the fear of, you know, you're not going to buy my product if you're not going to leave your house for the next five years. (laughs) So we really were, we weren't sure. And the reality was March and April started to become like uh, the holiday season. We had our March numbers and our April numbers were on par with two weeks before Christmas. So um, yeah, I mean, it was really crazy to watch. And now, you know, we've all kind of gotten through it and it's obviously still prevalent, but I think we've, everyone's kind of gotten educated on, okay, this is a big deal. Um, We need to protect that real estate. We need to start to dial in on this communication. Um, We're not, now that we've opened the, you know, the proverbial uh, genie lamp here or whatever, uh, (laughs) we've let it, we've let it out and now we have to adjust. So um, yeah. Yeah. And that's what's exciting for us. The question is, um, you know, what, where will the opportunities be? Yep. And like I said in the beginning, I think the manufacturer still has a lot of catching up to do on the education side of how this all works. Right. And so I think, you know, there's going to be always potential for us to, you know, almost teach and, and consult in a way, um, hopefully in exchange for permission to continue. Yeah. Yep, yep. So that, that's kind of the page we're on is, um, you know, use the the war chest we've built up over the last 10 to 15 years yes. and maybe use that as leverage to get permission um, because that's obviously become a critical uh, component. It really has. And matter of fact, your experience, that's what made it such a delight to be able, I, I can't believe I use that word, a delight. <laughs> yeah, great. To, to be able to, to, to speak with you through this entire process because you do realize that you have so many good faith sellers out there. And if that communication isn't there, then the impact on both sides for the brand as well as, and well, and especially with third party is, is uh, catastrophic for, for lack of a better word. Yeah. yeah and uh, you know, to be honest, we appreciate the, the dilemma that the manufacturer's in. Um, it's not an easy decision and you can't rush it. And, and so maybe you do have these fragments of, of different opinions on how things are going to go. And we totally sympathize with that. That's why we, in some ways have tried to consult them, um, and tried to educate them in exchange for some relationship here, because, uh, you know, we'll help them fast track a lot of this learning curve. Yep. Um, you know what I mean? And, that's what they need right now because this is valuable real estate. Like I said, if yes. you look at the company we're talking about here, yeah, uh, 10% of sales, but you know, we're g- growing at a clip, you know, exponential to that over oh, yeah. the next five years. Uh, so they got to get ahead of it. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. And hope and I think they will. They I think they will. And I'm just glad in this in this case that all the parties were able to come together. And I, I don't think we even talked about that, right? How everyone just came together. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and uh, I'm, help, I'm happy to answer the questions if you want to, you know, ask them. Yeah. Um, I, I, but essentially, 
go ahead. You, you know, you no, let so, me. So, I mean, what, and, and since you already know the answer to this, but I, I'm just looking at it when you're in a, when, if anyone finds himself in a similar circumstances as you did, you thought you yeah. were authorized and then you find out you're not. And then what would, what would you recommend uh, the, the, the steps to, well, not even the steps, what, what, what would your recommendations be? Okay. Well, first of all, um, let's separate, I guess, Amazon from corporate, right? So yeah. Amazon yeah. is, th these are the two parties in this case that you have to really be conscious of keeping happy. Yes. Um, from an Amazon perspective, it's really critical that you have the documents or the data to back oh, up. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, in my old world, I was a lot of times a jobber getting product from all these different places, sometimes brick and mortar, sometimes management, you know, all over the place. I didn't always have um, a clear paper trail of what had happened or how these things came to be. So right. um, one of the things that Amazon's going to right away ask for is, you know, evidence that this is legitimate. Um, it, it's one thing to say, well, the evidence is I have 500 units here and I, I couldn't have acquired them any other way. Right. You know, again, that has plenty of holes in it. You, you need, you need to keep your documents, um, invoicing, uh, any letter of approval that you may or may or may not have, you have to have it all ready to hand over if necessary. So, yeah. you know, one of the things right away is, if you think you're going to get away on Amazon with just even a receipt or some kind of handmade Excel spreadsheet or something like that, it's never going to happen. Amazon has, you know, a lot of people on Amazon selling wise have, have shady ulterior motives. Amazon, oh, yeah. Amazon's gotten very good at, at smelling, you know, you know what? Yeah, um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll even get as granular as saying, when Amazon asks us for an invoice to prove something's origin, right. um, your natural inclination is to send them a PDF that you may have in your email or something like that. Amazon actually, and this is something you only learn on the forums, right. Amazon actually prefers something that can't be doctored. So um, a PDF to them can still be manipulated or changed. Right. What right. they actually prefer is a JPEG file, which is a photo. Huh. Um, yeah. So this is, and again, I learned this on the forums because we would send an invoice and they'd be like, not good enough. How is it not good enough? Well, it turns out what they prefer you do is print the invoice and then take a photo of it that way. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we're getting, but this is real. Um, yeah. We yeah. saw the acceptance rate from Amazon on these invoices go from maybe 75% of the time to 100% of the time. Wow. Uh, simply by changing the file type to a JPEG. Um, it just, yeah, I mean, we're really, that gave them more uh, evidence that it was an undoctored document. Um, so it can really get that specific. So you wanna keep Amazon happy on that regard. As far as on the manufacturer side or the management side, um, <laughs> the best you can do is get it in writing, right? I mean, that's, yeah. That's, that's the advice in any topic, uh, legally speaking. The problem is, and this gets back to their early stages of development, yeah. they're not going to rush out and give you stuff in writing because no. They, no. they haven't even figured out if you're the, the guy they want to be with. Um, right. So right. you're really going to have to press that agenda if you have to have it. Right. Um, 
I think in lieu of that problem, the best you can do is, you know, get a Rolodex full of people at the company that are going to help you out. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No Um, doubt about it. You'll you'll clear the Amazon hurdle initially with uh, the receipts or the purchase orders. Right. Uh, But at some point as this develops further and, you know, attorneys or or cease and desist letters start to come into play you you have to hopefully have something more um official to lean on well and and quite frankly that's it was your documentation that led to the discussions um but even as you saw in that case i I didn't necessarily have the documentation in a traditional sense i had i had pieces of it you did unfortunately i had pieces of it coming from different uh levels of management and different perspectives yes and so we had to kind of get creative to how to how to piece all this together yep you know this is a wake-up call for me too is you know as much as i have this stuff it needs to be more precise yes Um, so yep yep and it it is interesting because you said that you had different pieces and in in this case it was an internal memo And, yeah, and when they saw that, they it was like one of those oh my goodness moments. Holy moly, this was not supposed to be there, and that initiated the discussion internally at this manufacturer, and then and eventually that's what led to literally the whole entire team having that discussion with you, uh, yeah. and, and to really resolve those concerns. So I would reinforce that you do need that documentation, that you do need that writing. And you do need it from uh, multiple angles so yeah. that you're protecting yourself. Um, because again, a majority of the individuals that I speak with are really legitimate. They're trying to do great stuff. And to your point, there are those shady ones that no matter what, you don't trust them. But yeah. uh, in, in your case, it, it made it very compelling that you indeed were in the right and so, again, that's why I'm glad that we had those discussions because it did shed a yeah. lot of light on some broken arenas. Yeah, because I, I don't think I don't think management wanted to get rid of me. I think no. they just didn't, they didn't quite understand who I was in the big picture. So, yeah. you know, it, it, like I said, this is why these things are so fragile between Amazon and and the manufacturer and the sales team. You know, it's the 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 details have to be dialed because it's really fragile. Oh, there's no doubt. I think we'll, we'll see these things evolve and change and improve, you know, on a short order here, Um, whether or not the manufacturer is going to get contractual with it in any way. Yeah. I hope, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. I think um, the best hope is to, you know, build the relationship side. It is. I think, you know, just like anything else, if you have, if, if you've looked them in the eyes and you've done well by them and you've, yep. you followed the policies and you've, you know, everything has gone smooth and you're not getting complaints uh, on the back end and you're honoring the warranty and all these things, if you're doing everything the right way, um, you, you'll find your way through it. But, yes. uh, you know, yeah. they don't appreciate and you don't appreciate the different perspectives. Right. And, um, you know, what seems like common sense, it, it's not anymore. So, Yep, uh, yep, you know, yep, critical yep. to to just dial it in the best you can. Yeah, yep, and, and you did that. Matter of fact, yeah, I, I, what I was happy to see was that you had that email back that said, "This is what we're allowing uh, Rick to do," 
And sure. there it is. It was the internal document that you could refer to. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you know that that's from the the ten previous years where yeah. you know I knew yeah. I knew that anything could happen. You know, I think if I if I hadn't been around that long, yeah. um, I could have misplayed my hand here. But um, you know, I had been down this road before. Yeah. Uh, to some extent, this was the first time I had been down this road with someone who I had such a a large relationship with. Oh yeah. Uh, so that, was, that was a little bit scary, but um, you know, if you have nothing to hide, you'll find, you'll get through it. You know, I think, and you, you spoke to this when we first met um, the people that don't reply to you or, or hide or, or act, you know, yep. wishy-washy about all of it. Right. You know, those are the people that you probably can almost guarantee are not supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's genuine. <laughs> The minute I got your call, I was back on the phone, no matter what time of day, because yep. I didn't have anything to hide. I, you know, I wanted to make sure this was yeah, crystal clear, you know? Yeah. And I, I guess that's one of the things too. I mean, it might be all the, the touchy feely stuff, but I think it would bode well that when, when an organization does send out those letters that they should have that discussion. Because I think there's a, a mutual benefit across the board for both third parties and brands when that, sure. that communication is crystal clear. And uh, sometimes the answer is, it goes one way and some, sometimes it, it goes the other, but you, you need to have those discussions, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Cool. Man, Rick, we could, there's so many other subjects that we could talk about and I'm hoping that we can, we could do this again because this, is, this has been educational for me, <laughs> even though we've, yeah. had, we've had this whole process together, right? But. Yeah. I mean, like I said, each one of these, you know, topics that we've brushed upon, yeah. you know, I could dig in another 12 inches on each one of them and, you yep. know, really compare war stories and all these things. Um, but in the big picture, I think what we should expect to see is this, this world continue to change. And um, I think the companies are really starting to realize that these assets are important to manage correctly. Yes, um, they are. and I think they're going to, I think they're going to focus on that. So, uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, that my resume keeps me in the business, um, because I, I do, I'm honest about the fact that, you know, as these things change, the power may stay, you know, higher up the food chain than, than me. Yep. Um, but just like any business, if your resume and your, your track record speaks for itself, then you're going to get the opportunity. So, um, I would be happy to come back though on any topic and, and dig yep. in further because I've, I've really been through the entire gamut of, of things. Um, I've gotten the cease and desist. I've been actually even sued before. So, oh, dang. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and more, I was never guilty of anything, but more to the point of educating on, you know, how to look out for these red flags and, and maybe, uh, you know, do a better job of getting ahead of them. Yes. Matter of fact, I, I want to put that out of the audience. If there are any topics that are of interest, especially with, uh, with many things that you're probably going through, send sure. the topics over to us. I'll, I'll leave. Yeah, the, absolutely. The, yeah. I'll leave a, yeah, my, I think if, my email in the link to this, this uh, podcast. And then yep. because Rick, I mean, look, Rick is a fantastic resource and, <laughs> And, and quite frankly, I would be happy to answer any questions that are in my power to do. Uh, sure. Because again, it's it, the brands are important. They're, they're our primary clients. At the same time, 
we want to make sure that that uh, everyone's taken care of in, in the best way possible. So, absolutely, Rick, you're the man. Thank you very much. Anytime. And let's let's do it again. Okay. We will. You are awesome, man. Thanks, Maurice. You got it. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>